Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Lightning fans, you found the right show for everything you need to know about your favorite team in the NHL. It's the Lightning Insider Podcast with Eric Erlinson. Get ready for insight, historical perspective, interviews, and breaking news that comes from a reporter insider who's got near 20 years on the Tampa Bay Lightning beat. Now for the latest with the Lightning, here's Eric. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the LightningInsider.com podcast. I am Eric Rowlinson from LightningInsider.com. I invite you to check out my website, LightningInsider.com, and check out the subscriptions that we have. You can have a monthly subscription for $4.99. You can have a yearly subscription for $40 per year. So go to LightningInsider.com, check out the homepage. First thing you see is how to sign up for it and uh, enter your information and get signed up because I have some really good coverage uh, story already posted about the atmosphere that the team has created over the past couple of years. You know, there's a lot of ways that teams can bond together. Some coaches like to try and do, you know, team bonding exercises, that stuff. And, you know, the, those can work to a certain degree and they help. But there's other ways that you can do it, including something that happened in the game against the Islanders that kind of creates that atmosphere and cultivates that atmosphere. Also have a story out about how the team is using a late season commitment early in the year, and that's a big part of some of the success that the team is having right now. So those are just a couple of the stories that are up and posted right now if you want to check those out. I really appreciate all the support uh, that all of you have given me, and I invite those of you who haven't checked it out yet to, to give it a try and, and let me know what you think. Uh, all right, on this edition of the, the podcast, uh, by the way, I have another little mini podcast as well if anybody wants to check that out. It's called Lightning Game Day Now. It's it's through Bally Sports. Uh, it's, again, just like this one, it's available wherever you get your podcast, so just search Lightning Game Day now. Check my Twitter feed. I usually send out those updates as well. Hit subscribe on that podcast. Hit subscribe on this podcast. Never miss an update. Uh, and the Lightning Game Day now is just a quick hit, three or four minutes, just to give you a recap. Usually on game days, it's about injury updates, lineup updates, those sort of things, uh, opponent updates, um, and then recaps as well after the game. So, again, that's called Lightning Game Day Now. That's in addition to this podcast, which, of course, is the lightninginsider.com podcast. And uh, about a week ago from when I'm recording this right now, I asked for questions. So we're going to get to some of those questions that um, a number of you have sent my way. So we'll get to those, a little mailbag edition of this podcast, if you will. But I just want to, uh, before we get to that, touch on how things can change within a season, right? Because it was a couple of weeks ago where the main question being asked was what was wrong with the Lightning? And 
that's early stages of the year. It's something that happens quite a bit. You know, this is why I always tell uh, or advise people not to get too hung up or caught up on the early stages of the season. There's no reason to overreact one way or the other four, five, six games into a season. You know, even the 56-game schedule last year, this year you've got a full 82 on the docket. So there's no reason to overanalyze and get too deep into questions like, what's wrong with the Lightning? Nothing wrong with the Lightning. There are other teams that have. Like you can legitimately ask that question about the Montreal Canadiens, especially, you know, how they have things have gone for them. Um, the Arizona Coyotes as well. You know, there are teams you can ask what's wrong with them because, honestly, we're, we're you know, a month into the season, just over a month into the season, and those teams are out of the playoff race already. So certainly if, if you get too far behind on things, yeah, that's the time to ask the question. But four or five games in is not really the time to over overanalyze uh, where things are at. Now, in this case, there were some questions. I don't know, maybe some concerns. Maybe concerns, early season trends that we saw from this team, especially in the opening week plus when they couldn't score the first goal of the game. And not only could they score the first goal of the game, they weren't they weren't leading games. They would never have the lead in games. It wasn't until they got to Pittsburgh that they actually got their first lead of the game. And yet they found ways to get some points, a couple of overtime wins in there, that epic comeback in Detroit where they score three goals in the final six-plus minutes to tie the game, get it to regulation, end up winning that game 7-6 in overtime. You know, you find ways to get points. And here we are, just before Thanksgiving, talking about a team that has found a little bit of a groove. Again, nothing to get overly excited about, but it gives you an idea and an indication of maybe where this team is. You know, Elliot Friedman, if anybody's familiar with Elliot Friedman from Sportsnet, you have a stat that he likes to come out with quite a bit. He likes to use it pretty much every regular season uh, in terms of what teams look like when we get to uh, the early stages of the season and where things stand just before Thanksgiving. And he put out his latest uh, now 32 thoughts. Used to be 31 thoughts. Now with 32 teams in the league, it's it's 32 thoughts. And um, he utilized this stat once again in terms of where teams sit at parts of the season. And he likes to use November 1st as an indicator. A lot of teams and a lot of other places you'll see actually use U.S. Thanksgiving. And I have to say U.S. Thanksgiving because, as we know, or maybe you don't know, that uh, Canadian Thanksgiving is actually at the beginning of October. Uh, but usually that's the marker that he likes to use, um, Elliot does. The He likes to use the first part of November. Uh, a lot of places, again, like to use the Thanksgiving marker as to where teams sit and where teams, uh, what kind of chances teams have 
to actually make the postseason based on where they're at in the schedule at that time and here's the stat um, he, he even uses the, uh, the quotation marks November 1 stat uh, because it, it is worth uh, looking into and looking towards um, as he says if you fall behind early it's way too hard to catch up and this is this is the stat that he has from 0506 until 2018-19 which is when the last time <laughs> we had a full uh, 82 game schedule just 9 out of 59 teams who were at least 4 points out after games on November 1st came back to make the playoffs that's a staggering number and again he uses uh, November 1st as that cutoff uh, and he has the teams this year, uh, Arizona, Chicago, and Montreal. So everybody else is within four points. So that kind of skews it maybe just uh, just a little bit, uh, just because, you know, early it's hard to separate yourself early. I mean, Florida's done a good job of separating themselves in the pack. Toronto uh, has done it as well. Carolina, you know, those teams have put themselves into a really good position uh, looking towards the end of the regular season. Uh, but that's the number. Uh, if you are more than four points out, after November 1st, uh, only 9 of 59 teams were able to make the playoffs. Uh, so th- that's where you say it can get early late, or it can get late early, where you don't pick up points and, and you fall behind. Well, the Lightning never put themselves in that position. And, you know, you heard me talk about it. If you've ever listened to me on um, with Ian and Jay, we talk about that a lot. Find ways to win points early in the year. Keep yourself from falling behind. You know, this was even key for Tampa Bay in 2019-2020 when they did have some half-season struggles, if you will. Right? They were basically a 500-ish team by the middle of December. But what they avoided was losing streaks. That's the key. You don't necessarily have to go on long winning streaks. And we saw with Buffalo a couple years ago, that's not always an indicator. Remember, they won 10 games in a row, I think, in November. And everybody was talking about how good they were and how surprising they were. Lo and behold, you got to the end of the season. Eh. They're right back towards the bottom of the basement. So you don't necessarily have to put extended winning streaks together but you do have to avoid extended losing streaks and that's going back to that 1920 season that's what the lightning did yeah they didn't really win more than two or three in a row for a good stretch but they never really lost two or three in a row too often so that's how you get to be about a 500 team they started a 10 game winning streak with the first game right before the christmas break then they had an 11 game winning streak and you know, so you see how they put themselves in that position uh, towards the tail end of that season. And, of course, the pandemic hit uh, back in the second week of March. Uh, so even in the early parts of this season, they, they weren't losing stretches of games. Lost opening night. They lost in Buffalo. You throw in a shootout loss to Colorado. Yeah, there were some games where they didn't pick up the two points. But they, they never they never went into an extended losing streak. And look, we're only 14 games in as I record this. So just 14 games in. 
again, a small sample size when you compare that to, uh, you know, what is a full 82-game season and, you know, 14, um, 14 games out of 82 is merely just a whopping 17% of the schedule. So, again, small sample size, but encouraging things that we've seen from this team over the course of the past couple of weeks. In my previous podcast two weeks ago, we talked about Andre Vasilevsky and the appreciation that everyone should have for the job that he has done and for what he continues to do as the backbone of this team. And uh, he is a big part of the team's success. He's always been a big part of the team's success, and he will continue to be a big part of the team's success. But it doesn't start or and end with him. Right? You can't have him in net by himself and think that he's going to be able to win you games. There are other aspects that Tampa Bay has improved. Specifically, and this is something that I have written about, so if you want to go check it out, it's much more detailed, in how they're managing the puck. Big bugaboo with this team for a number of years. Right, Management of the puck. How are you managing the puck? Costly turnovers. Areas of the ice should turn the puck over. That's one big area that they've cut down on, and it's it's showing here again. And I've, I've got the numbers to back that up in the story if you want to go check that out and, and where they, they rank in some of these league uh, rankings in terms of the chances that they give up. So, yes, Andre Vasilevsky has come up with a couple of saves where you just kind of nod your head and go, okay, yep, he's locked in. But it's not all him. He makes the routine saves. He, makes the, he stops the ones he's supposed to stop, and a lot of times he'll stop the ones that maybe you don't think he should. And that's just what separates him from pretty much every other goaltender in the league. I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to get too many people to tell you he's not the best goalie in the league. So certainly he is the backbone of it all. But the way this team has bought into how they have to win, you know, Derek Lalonde, the assistant coach, who's a treat to talk to, has mentioned more than a few times on the occasions we've spoke to him this year about creating winning habits. And sometimes it takes half a season to create those habits and perfect those habits. But here we are in the early stages of the season, and and the fact that they've won back-to-back championships helps in that aspect because, you know, coaching staff can preach and talk and discuss and tell players what they're doing wrong but the proof is always in the pudding okay you're telling me this and I'm going to do this but if it doesn't work I'm not going to listen to you anymore essentially is how it goes so they've won the championships now they understand what it means to quote unquote buy into it in the early stages of this season again just 14 games but they're already starting to show some of those habits that you have to have to win a championship. And I'm not predicting anything. I'm not telling you what's going to happen in May. I'm just giving you an idea of some observations of what it is I'm seeing from the games that I watch. And a lot of it comes down to already creating some of those winning habits. And that, again, cultivates into what I have up at the on the website. So, again, I encourage you to check it out, Lightning Insider dot com for uh, 
more detailed information on some of those areas that Tampa Bay has cut down on. Now, areas you, you need to see improved, the power play, obviously. We're in a three-for-thirty funk before Pat Maroon scored a power play goal against the Panthers. Steven Stamkos gets a power play goal late against the Islanders. That made it 4-1, so it's not totally, quote-unquote, garbage time. Um, but it was, you know, it was a, a goal that that gave Tampa Bay the final cushion they needed for that game. So need to get that to be a more consistent threat. If they can get the power play going on a consistent basis, and and, and again, don't always have to score on the power play, but you do have to create and build momentum. And certainly, we've seen at times this year where the power play has done none of that, and I mean none of that. So you need to see that area start to improve. They need to start getting some quote unquote secondary scoring. You know, you think of the players they lost. Yanni Gord, I believe, scored 17 goals last year. Blake Coleman was around 13 goals. You know, both Tyler Johnson and the Barclay Goodrow were close to the 10 goal mark. It's a lot of offense that they lost. They haven't really found anybody that's replaced it yet. Uh, you need you need to get your rookies feeling good about their game. Your Taylor Radish and your Boris Kachuk or Alex Barry Belay, who does have a couple of points in the games that he's played in. Uh, you're not getting a ton five on five from Pat Maroon or Pierre Edouard Belmar or Corey Perry. Ross Colton has yet to score goals. He's he sit here and talk. This is this is a, a player who, when he burst onto the scene last year, it seemed like he scored every game. You know, so you're going to have to start to get some contributions from those guys. Um, you know, and, and I've had a lot of people point out Corey Perry to me. Ah, he's just a waste of space. Why is he here? Um, you know, because he hasn't scored. He's got just the one assist through 14 games. But he is creating chances. He's actually number one individually on this team right now in creating high danger, high danger chances, individual high danger chances. Uh, and he's fourth on the team in individual scoring chances. So he's getting his opportunities. He's just not cashing in. And you have to think, I mean, look, he had four goals in the preseason. I know, preseason, not the same, different level of competition. But he knows how to score. He's not 50-goal MVP Corey Perry, but he can still score some goals. Um, he's certainly shown that in the playoffs the last two years for Dallas and for Montreal. So you, you, you want to see some of that turn around. That's another area I think they need. I mean, they're getting offense from Braden Point and Steven Stamkos. You know, the D is finally starting to kick in. Victor Hedman's got himself a couple of goals. You know, stuff that you like to see uh, the back end contribute offensively as well. So uh, those are the areas that I think you want to see the team improve on here in these early stages of the season to help continue to go along with some of those quote-unquote winning habits that they have started to develop here in the early stages. Don't be left out. Make sure you subscribe to the Lightning Insider on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else where podcasts are found. Now, here again is Eric. All right, let's get to these questions because there's uh, there's enough that's going to kind of keep me busy here uh, from what you sent in. Uh, from Misha. Uh, which version of Stammergeddon did you enjoy the most? And she has the upside-down face emoji on it. Um, there were two of them, in case you're not familiar with it. The first one, of course, when he was a 
a restricted free agent coming out of his entry-level contract. So that would have been the end of the 2010-2011 season. And then you had the year he was set to be an unrestricted free agent uh, after the 16-17 season. And, and I guess favorite or enjoy the most favorite might be relative. Um, probably the first one because watching <laughs> so many people quote-unquote freak out over the thought of losing Steven Stamkos when there was never really the thought that he would leave as a restricted free agent. Nobody was going to sign him to an offer sheet to the point where Tampa Bay wasn't going to match. Right? And look, Steve Eiserman was the general manager by this time, and they weren't going to let Steven Stamkos leave as a 21-year-old. It just wasn't going to happen, and yet people kept freaking out. You know, it took what, two and a half weeks into free agency before he finally signed uh, his, his post-entry-level contract. It, it, look, this is how things worked, especially in, in how the PA operates. They want guys like Steven Stamkos at that time of his career to not jump into a contract, to not just sign you know, the first or second offer that might come from the team as a restricted free agent. They want to set a market. And Steven Stamkos was a player who could set a market. So it's just part of the negotiation process. And no matter how many times I told people he's not going anywhere, he's not going anywhere, well, how come he's not signed? If he wanted to be here, he'd sign by now. That's not the dynamic of how it works. And that's exactly what happened. I dealt with so much of that stuff. Would you believe I earned Employee of the Month honors at the Tampa Tribune because of dealing with the social media aspect of Stammergeddon 1.0? So I, I guess in that aspect, I, I enjoyed that one the most because the second one, he was in control. He was in total control of what was going to happen because he was, he was a pending, unrestricted free agent. So there was a chance he could leave. And the fact that he got so close to free agency... That was during the quote-unquote legal tampering time. He was given a pitch by Toronto officials, which included the mayor of Toronto and the CEO of SportsCheck, SportCheck, which is a big sporting goods company in Canada. That was part of it, telling him how much he can make in endorsements and all this other stuff. So in that aspect, it was real. So Stammergeddon 2.0, there was a chance he was going to leave. So... Uh, the fact that he came back uh, sort of squelched all that. But uh, to make a, a short story long, uh, version 1.0 was uh, the most enjoyable one just because it was fun to kind of tell people he's not going anywhere, and then he ends up not going anywhere. Uh, from Patty, uh, what are your thoughts about how the team is doing besides the Hurt players? What are, the play what are they missing to make things click? Um, again, this is this question is about a week old. Uh, I even felt then, Patty, that they weren't they weren't totally in sync, but they weren't out of sync. Right? They they had some struggles early on, lack of emotion in the in the opener against Pittsburgh. Still some lack of emotion, you know, through that first week they lose that game uh, in Detroit. That crazy game. 
in Detroit. They lose to uh, Buffalo in Buffalo. Um, so it was just um, – it wasn't, wasn't crazy. Um, I, I think that since then they certainly sort of got their, their things in check. Um, so I, I think that they're certainly in a situation now where they're in a much better place. Uh, from Chris, we knew that there were going to be some growing pains this season with the players that they lost, uh, and even more so after they lost uh, Nikita Kucherov to injury. Uh, how do you think the team has responded, meshing pretty well, or still have a ways to go? I still think they have a ways to go. Uh, I don't think they're quite there. I think, again, as I mentioned, you need um, uh, more contributions lower from their lower lines. You need more offense from your lower lines you need um, you know look John Cooper still hasn't settled in on full line combinations you know the deep pairings are the deep pairings but the 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 uh, the line combinations have been a work in progress that's something else I wrote about I wrote about if you want to kind of check that uh, you know my thoughts on that there uh, but they need to have you know, they need to get more in sync, and uh, they're getting there. They're not quite there yet. Uh, injuries always factor into this, as we know, with the injury to Nikita Kucherov, but uh, it's coming. It's coming. Uh, Stephanie, uh, why is the face-off circle for this team a problem? It has been and continues to be an issue. It really makes a difference, especially when they're on the power play, setting up in the zone versus having to carry it in. Now, this, this question from Stephanie came after the game against Carolina, where they were terrible in the face-off circle for sure. Um, it's on, on the power play in particular. They went 3-for-10 in the face-off circle in the power play. And that was a night. Look, Jordan Stahl and Vinny Trocek are two of the best on face-offs, and Tampa Bay struggled against them. There is no doubt that they struggled against them that night. For the most part, I mean, Steven Stamkos is, over the last year plus, has been a 55-58% face-off guy. Uh, and he does tend to go out and take some of those draws. Uh, it does need to be better. I mean, this is where you miss, you know, a Tyler Johnson, who was over 50% last year. Uh, Yanni Gore took a ton of face-offs. He was right around 50-ish percent. Uh, so he wasn't exactly a guy that won a lot of draws. Uh, you do have Pierre-Edouard Belmar, but he's not taking draws uh, on the, the power play for sure, but he's taking draws on the PK. Uh, it, it needs to be better. Um, it, it, you know, you need Braden Point to be more consistent. You need Anthony Sorelli to be more consistent. You have some games where they are tremendous, and then you have other games where they're like at 35%. So, again, consistency for young players um, needs to be there in all aspects. Uh, from Joyce, what's the meaning of life? Uh, LOL, emoji. Um, yeah, that's a deep one. Uh, let's go with Monty Python. Monty Python's meaning of life. Uh, no, really, each country's Olympic committee pays for the players to go to Beijing, correct? But they can upgrade flights, hotels if they pay. Uh, that's a good question, Joyce. I don't know the exact answer to that one. But I can tell you in terms of the flights, I don't think players can go individually um, too much on their flights. There's going to be league charters, especially in the age of covid especially with some of the, the lockdowns that China has, the flights, I think, are going to be very restrictive, especially because you have All-Star Weekend in Vegas right before the Olympic break. So you're going to see a lot of the players, especially 
uh, in Vegas, but I'm pretty sure there's going to be league charters, if not, you know, uh, if not more than one, uh, leaving out of California to go to China. So uh, as far as the hotels, again, I don't know about that either because you're going to want things to be very restrictive. So I don't know, not that there's an Olympic Village. We certainly saw in Tokyo with the Summer Games, there was no traditional Olympic Village. So I don't think we're going to get that uh, situation either. So uh, I'll have to see if I can look into that. Um, question from Debbie. Has the team been invited to the White House to honor their back-to-back championships? I don't know that for a fact, Debbie. Um, I do know that there was originally the plan was for their first trip in Washington that they were uh, talking about going to the White House. Uh, obviously, it never happened. Uh, there's one more trip scheduled to go to Washington this year, so we'll keep an eye on that one. If it's going to happen, that's when it's going to happen. Uh, I don't foresee a break in the schedule to where they could go up there, so my guess is they'll try and make it a part of their next trip into Washington, D.C. I believe that's in March off the top of my head. Uh, from Pat, who wants to know, uh, in regards to Cal Foot, is the team going to avoid, able to avoid cuckooing? Didn't realize that was a verb, but Pat has turned it into a verb. Cuckooing foot. We both know it takes about 300 games for a, a D-man uh, but the kid has to actually pay, play to get that experience. Which is a hate to see another top D prospect without at least seemingly giving him the ice time um, and make mistakes to learn and make mistakes. So I'll start with Slater Cuckoo. Uh, Cuckoo was given opportunities. Remember in the 2016 playoffs, he was he took over for Matt Carl basically. His play bumped Matt Carl out of the lineup, and he was penciled in to start the year. He didn't take advantage of the opportunity. He did not look good. And I can tell you, right before he was traded, prior to the, you know, during the 18-19 season, he he looked lost. He looked lost in his own zone. And at some point, you have to understand, maybe he just doesn't have it. Maybe he's not going to figure it out. Look, the big asset for Slater Cuckoo when he was drafted was his skating ability, right? Because he could skate and move the puck. But he just he just struggled too much in his own zone. How does that relate to Cal Foot? Uh, you're right. In order to get the experience, you have to play. He only played half the year last year. When they acquired David Savard, he played, I think, one game the rest of the year. Played a couple down in Syracuse. Uh, then didn't play at all the rest of the year. He's one of the Black Aces. Missed all the training camp this year. Uh, didn't play until the first couple of weeks of the season. He's going to get looks and he's going to get opportunities. And I think the big issue with Cal Skate is what the opposite it was with Slater Cuckoo. And Cal Foot still struggles with his foot speed. I think he still needs to get better in that part of his game to be a more consistent player out there. You know, let's go back to the game against Ottawa. In Ottawa, a game won 5-3 by Tampa Bay, that the mistake that Cal Foot made in that game, and th- this is what you have to look for as a coach or if you're looking at it from an, uh, you know, a, a, a critical situation uh, in terms of critiquing, 
So he makes the turnover, right? It's a bad turnover. He, he, try, he, he tried to do the right thing. He tried to bank it off the wall. The play didn't work. You don't like it. It happens. It happens. You know, he's trying to make the safer play there, and it backfired on him. But where, where if you're a coach, he didn't get back. When he made the mistake, he stopped using his feet. He didn't skate back trying to disrupt the play. Ends up a goal for Ottawa. It was a tying goal at the time. Those are the type of things you have to look for improvement from Calfoot. Mistakes happen. Victor Hedman makes mistakes. Ryan McDonough makes mistakes. It's how you respond to those mistakes that sometimes define you. And his response to that particular mistake at the moment was not very good. He has to be better there. He has to have a situation to where he can't put himself into uh, a bad situation and make it worse. So that's where he has to improve, and I think it starts with his foot speed. So he's going to get time. Uh, I can see sometimes this year where they'll dress 7-D once they're all healthy. We'll see how the, the coaching staff handles that. But he's getting opportunities, and they're going to protect him in terms of allowing him opportunities to find success. So uh, I, I'm not ready yet at this point to compare it to what happened with Slater Cuckoo before he threw, uh, before he was dealt uh, during the 18-19 season. Uh, Nancy wanted to know which period of the next game will Stamkos get screwed over by a bad goalie interference call, and do we throw hats on the ice for this kind of a hat trick? Yeah, it's a different kind of a hat trick. Again, going back a week, goal taken off the board because of an interference call, uh, and then a penalty called uh, on Stamkos when he was clearly pushed. Uh, refs get it wrong because as John Bartolotti asks, what the hell is going on with NFL refs? Horrible call across the board. Need a complete retraining program. Look like someone hired off the street. Uh, officials have a tough job. I'm not going to deny that. Um, but some of those calls, you do have to shake your head and say, why are you making that call? You should know better. And I think the one in particular, um, I think it was the was it the Carolina game? <laughs> My memory is fuzzy these days. Where Stamkos basically said he thought the referee guessed because he looked at... Uh, two and two and try to come up with four when the answer was actually three or I guess that's a bad analogy he tried to put two and two together and came up with three when the answer was actually four because he never saw Stamkos got pushed he just assumed and the one thing in, in officiating is you can't assume you have to make the right call uh, last one here from Jared why is Stamkos getting overlooked for Team Canada points wise he's one of the top Canadians and he's getting no respect He's not being overlooked. I know he doesn't get talked about because of how deep Canada is. But remember who the head coach of Team Canada is. Yeah, it's John Cooper. Uh, interesting to watch this this dynamic go on this year, right? Um, but he's not getting overlooked. He will be in the conversation. And if he continues to play like this, he's going to be part of the team. He will. Uh, I'm, I'm, if I were to predict it right now, he will be part of the team. He's gotten off to a great start, goal scoring, faceoff wise. He can take, you know, draws on the penalty kill. He, he, you know, he's more of a versatile player. He's played left wing and right wing this year, in addition to moving back to center here with Nikita Kucherov hurt. So if I were to guess, if I were to guess that right now, I would say Steven Stamkos is part of Team Canada. 
for the Olympics. All right, that's going to wrap up this edition of LightningInsider.com podcast. Uh, again, check out my work at LightningInsider.com. Uh, check out my other podcast from uh, through Bally Sports called Lightning Game Day Now. You can subscribe to that one. They're both available on my Facebook page, by the way, facebook.com slash lightninginsider. I think it works better uh, from the Facebook app than it does on the desktop, but uh, you can check both of those out there as well. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for your questions. I appreciate all the time, as always. Uh, We'll continue to roll these out uh, as the season goes along. Uh, Make sure you subscribe, rate to this, everything else. I appreciate all of it, and we'll talk to you soon. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.